Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Trade rumors, Alex, it's the season. They're all over the place. Yeah, it is the season. <laughs> it's not the holiday season, it's trade season now. Uh, almost December 15th. And The Athletic has had some reports in the last week that have said potentially Emmanuel quickly could be on the block. Cam Reddish could be on the block. Derek Rose and Evan Fournier, probably a little more obvious that they are on the block. We're going to react to those, and I have uh, sort of a surprise surprising maybe hot take about how i feel about the quickly rumors so that's coming up next on locked on Knicks. you are locked on Knicks, your daily new york Knicks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i think we see willis coming out there he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. We want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day, uh, we are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. Yeah, that's right. He's Alex hey, that's Wolf. That's my thing. What are you yeah, doing? <laughs> no, I, did, I started doing it the week you were off. I had to, I had to fill in somehow. So just, I'm, I'm keeping it going. Uh, he's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, uh, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on all forms of social media at thestrick.land. Had, had one of their finest uh, prez on the other week to talk some rumors about Cam Reddish getting traded. But I realized two things over the weekend, Alex. One, uh, you hadn't gotten a comment on any of these rumors. Uh, so I wanted to give you a platform to do that. Two, I somehow uh, went through a whole week of podcasting uh, without talking about Emmanuel quickly being mentioned in The Athletics' uh, Fred Katz's article um, on who the Knicks are actively shopping. Those names included Quickly, included Derek Rose, included Evan Fournier, included Cam Reddish. But if you're like me, well, this week, not last week, but if you're like me, Quickly is the name that jumps out at you. So, Alex, the platform is finally yours. Uh, what are your thoughts on Emmanuel Quickly uh, potentially being shopped or at the very least discussed by the New York Knicks? Yeah, it's uh, I. Uh, so when I read the report, you know, the first part, and this is the part that kind of made it into, I think, the Shams report, too, is was essentially like, uh, you know, they might use quickly as a sweetener to move off of Evan Fournier or something. And which is the same thing that's kind of been said about Cam, too, uh, in that like Lakers scenario. And that I think is stupid. Uh, so I'll just get that out of the way right away. That said, at this point in his career, at this point in where the Knicks are, I don't hate the idea of potentially shopping quickly in general at this point. Like I know, I think that emotion comes into this a lot, you know, when people talk about like the young core and, you know, like, I mean, I love quickly too. Like I've had a really great time rooting for him for three years, but the reality is that these guys and and look, I don't think he's met his full potential yet either. That said, you know, I think that sometimes people look at these things and they say, well, look at all these indicators. He could be really great, blah, blah, blah. But like when he's in his third year and like he's had some opportunities and like you've seen some flashes, but also like some real 
inconsistencies and stuff. Generally, if you have a player that's like a cornerstone player, you more or less know it by this point. Uh, and so that's to say, like, I think that quickly is going to be a really great NBA player for like probably a long time and has some super valuable skills to bring to an NBA team. But I don't know that I would keep him off the table in trade discussions. And, you know, there, there's two reasons for this, right? One is that I feel like there's always a market for the type of player that quickly is, which is, you know, a guy that at least at this point in his career has shown, you know, he could play on like a good team and be like a bench guard, score, distribute, play defense, you know, all the things you want out of a bench guard on like a really, really good team. And, you know, it, he also just kind of out of like, it, it, he just works. I don't know. I, I don't know how better to put it. Like he can slot in. It seems like pretty much anywhere, you know? So I think that he would be pretty desirable if the Knicks were to put him on the trading block, so to speak. Uh, that said, I, you know, I wouldn't do it like just to get off of him or something, but if some team, like I, I mentioned before we started recording, like if a team like the golden state warriors or uh, a, another team that doesn't have like a, a super young cornerstone player where you can feel pretty confident that they're going to be good for like a long time. Like the bucks still have Giannis and you know, the, the Mavs have Luca and you know, teams like that, like the Pelicans now with Zion and, and that whole group seem pretty, pretty much like, okay, they're definitely on the upswing. Like there, there doesn't seem like a huge chance that they're going to like fall off anytime soon. But if some team like the Warriors or something that is kind of seems like they're at the end of the rope is willing to say, hey, we'll give you a first round pick in 2025 or something for Emmanuel quickly because we feel like we need to make another run this year. He's young. So, like, we'll give him his next contract, you know, because we're already so capped out all the hell anyway that it doesn't matter, you know, and, and we'll bring him on and, and hopefully let him learn from Steph and Clay and whatever. And, and maybe it'll turn into something. I would be willing to do a deal like that, I think. And I don't know how you feel about that, Gavin, but like, I know that we've been pretty protective over quickly in the past. Like we've ranked them super high in the Knicks asset rankings before, like all this other stuff. But I say this all the time, like young players have expiration dates and it's when their rookie contract expires. Then all of a sudden you have to pay them like whatever type of NBA player they are. They are. And then they have to live up to that contract. And I just don't know if the Knicks are in a position right now where they're like good enough to be like, okay, let's just pay everybody that's on this roster and roll with this going forward because you're going to have to make that same decision you made with RJ Barrett this past year on Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly this coming off season, which, you know, is the decision of, do you want to uh, extend them off the rookie deal or do you want to let their rookie deal expire and let them hit restricted free agency? So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with, quickly at the moment. And I think just based off the fact that the Knicks have a glut of players in his general position anyway, I feel like it's a better idea to, if you're going to shop one of the two to shop quickly like that, more so than Obi, who presumably could have a path to playing time quicker. If the Knicks decide to move off of Randall or in general, as we've seen recently, like there's just less depth at his position uh, behind Julius Randle. So it, I think there's just more of a pressing need to keep him around. But yeah, uh, anyway, sorry, I'll, I'll toss it to you. I mean, uh, how do you feel about that? Like in general with quickly and his name being out there in trade rumors? 
Yeah, I think I, I mean, initially there, there's obviously an emotional reaction there. Right. And that was, that was my initial reaction where it was like, all right, typical Knicks, they have a young talent and, and they got to, they're going to trade him away for a middling first round pick because they don't want to pay him, yada, yada, yada. And, and I mean, the, the reason they, they don't want to, or well, look, we don't know if they don't want to pay him, but the reason they're considering not paying him is like slowly, but surely this team that, and this is something, uh, another thing Fred Katz has, has pointed out and talked about a lot, this team that has prided itself on its flexibility both in terms of its draft picks and most importantly financially over the last few years and, and even even as they signed all these contracts that were or currently are largely perceived as negatives um, they were always able to get uh, a team option in, in the final year of those deals and and there, there was always this premise like all right these these contracts might go bad but if they do the Knicks will always be able to get off of them but once you resign RJ once you resign Mitch um, you're, once you presumably are going to have to pay Obi, I mean, you're, it, it's still a few years away, but at some point you're obviously going to have to pay Grimes. Um, that, fina- that financial flexibility slowly but surely starts to dissipate. And for Emmanuel, quickly the question becomes, all right, right now he is he's clearly a positive asset. I, I, would, I would personally argue on whatever contract the Knicks give him, he will likely still be a very positive asset because for better or worse, he's not going to see the time or the shots this year to really propel him. Um, I, I don't I don't know what you would put the number at. I would say right now he's probably someone who gets somewhere between probably like 14-ish million dollars a year, 12 to 14 is is what I'm kind of thinking in my head. Um, and and that's, that's a reasonable number for the Knicks. But across the NBA, do, do teams look at that contract and say, all right, if he if he's actively regressing as a shooter, which is, is supposed to be the main selling point of this guy, is he is he worth that type of cash? And I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of devil's advocating it here, but I think there's a reason the Knicks might consider it um, more valuable to trade him now. Of course, any team trading for him presumably is doing so with the intent of resigning him. But it, I, I guess there's something to the notion of like, all right, get a look at what he actually looks like in our system. And if they do so for a minimal asset, uh, that's not a big deal. And I, I think the reason we haven't seen a trade like you're describing happen yet, Alex, is because there hasn't been a team out there willing to give up a bigger asset. Um, I, I want to continue this conversation on Emmanuel quickly. But first, I'd love to hear how I could drive all over the world, Alex. Do, do, you, do you have something for me on that? Well, this is where Turo comes into play. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. You can find an affordable economy car if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B. And you can test drive that new electric vehicle you've had dry on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. And I wanted to thank everybody again for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. But for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from our good buddy, Peter Bukowski, who we, we like very much. We occasionally get to go on his show and it's fun. Uh, anyway, Gavin, to get back into the discussion. Yeah. I, 
as far as quickly is concerned, so the point you ended the last segment on, uh, as far as him being uh, like there not being an offer out there, like what I described, I could sort of see that. I I kind of struggle with what my tipping point would be, like what the offer would be that I would say yes, okay, I think that's fair. Yeah, uh, would you let me let me ask you? Would you say yeah. a a lottery protected first round pick in two years was fair or would it have to be lower? That would have to be top five protected top eight protected because I I think at least in my mind, realistically what the Knicks would get is like the best case scenario I think would be a top 10 protected first round pick from a team that you could feasibly get the 11th or 12th or 13th pick from sort of, sort of like the wizards pick that the Knicks had. Yeah. And I wouldn't totally hate that. Like a top 10 protected pick, I think is about where I would draw the line, you know? And then, and honestly, I, I I totally I was trying to put this as one of my things in the first segment, and then I like brain farted and just had to pivot. But one of the things I was going to bring up was uh, part of what makes me confident enough to potentially trade quickly is that the Knicks front office has proven to be so good at finding value with picks outside of the lottery. Um, and so you know, I think that that's where I would say like. Okay, so if you don't end up with, you know, an unprotected pick from some team, if you get one that's like maybe if it started at lottery protected but was guaranteed to convey at, or, or like almost guaranteed to convey like within like four years or something, you know, if you had like a long window to have it convey if they wanted to have it that protected where maybe it was like top you know, like lottery, so like top 14 protected, then like top 10 for two years or something, then like top five in the final year. And then if it's if that team is in the the top five of of the draft that year, then you get two second round picks or something. I think I'd be willing to maybe look into something like that. I think it's just like you got to look at not just what you would get back for quickly and what they could turn that into, but also the fact that like this team – I. Well, obviously, to me at least, it's not going to compete for anything real this year. They, uh, it seems like they're going to, as we sort of thought going into the season, compete for like a low playoff spot, which is cool. Uh, but they're not like ready to take some step right now, I don't think. And I just think, and, and this, I don't know, I don't want this to sound like I don't appreciate what quickly brings to the table, but with how good this team has proven to be at drafting, if you potentially i think there's a very real shot the knicks end up with like three or more first round picks in this coming draft uh if some so like theirs and the mavericks one are i feel like almost guaranteed to to you know be there for them but then one of the other ones probably not the pistons obviously because they're no good but like the wizards maybe conveys this year uh, if nothing else, I think they have a number of second round picks this year. Like they're going to have an opportunity to potentially draft like three or four players this year if they want to, which history has told us they don't often do that. But they, if they want to, like if they ship off quickly for a future pick, like the avenue is there to draft your quickly replacement this year in what's supposed to be a much heavier draft this coming year. So I that's what kind of leads me to thinking like I'm comfortable with the idea. And, and it would be sad and I would not want to see him go because I really like quickly. And I, I love like the energy he brings. I love his work ethic and the way he plays and like him at his best is like 
one of the most electric players on the Knicks. But I just think at this point, like if he was going to be like a pillar of a player, like for all the lofty comparisons that we brought up, like, well, if everything breaks right, he could be this guy, that guy, or the other guy, like his rookie year. I, as time goes on, and this is natural for like all players, that luster wears off a bit and it starts to be like, okay, maybe this just like kind of is who he is as a player. And that's fine because he's still a good player, but not worth keeping off the table if some team is willing to throw you like a first round pick that you could potentially replace him with. So I guess we'll see how that all goes down. But I think that's that's kind of my overall stance on quickly. But under no circumstances would I use him as a uh, just like a, a guy to get off of Evan Fournier or something like that. I think that would be a really poor use of of quickly uh, as a, you know, as a trade chip, but for the right deal, like a trade for him and not with him as a sweetener. I I think I would definitely pick up the phone at this point. Yeah. I think it, I think a lot of it comes down to your evaluation of quickly as a player. And he was someone that, that I, I made clear maybe a little bit more so than, than you did Alex, but correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, I thought still had some star equity coming into this season because of the flashes that we saw at the end of last season uh, where he was just tearing apart uh, teams like the wizards and, and the Raptors and, and was getting like really easy separation off the dribble. And, and interestingly enough, that's translated pretty well this year, right? He, he's, he's just dramatically, dramatically improved as, as a finisher and, and has made is, is on a clear cut, linear trajectory in terms of how good he is at getting to the basket, how good he is at finishing when he gets to the basket, how good of a passer he is when multiple defenders converge on him on his way to the basket. All that stuff is getting better. Defensively, it's all getting better. On-off numbers paint him as one of the 10 or so most impactful defensive players in the NBA. I I think that's overselling it a bit, but it's clear amongst point guards. I don't know. He's what, like a top eight defensive point guard in the NBA, top nine. I I I can't say I made a list. Uh, recently, but he's in, he's in that conversation, right? And, and especially on the Knicks team, um, that as as long as they have Jalen Brunson, they're they're going to be a negative in that capacity with their starting lineup. It makes a lot of sense to have an elite guy like that on the bench. And and, and the weird thing is, we we've kind of resolved all the questions we had about quickly coming into the NBA to some extent or another. But the thing that was supposed to be a strength and the thing that was an incredible strength as a rookie, the volume three point shooting, has gone away. Um, and he he's he went from a pretty efficient player, despite being a poor two point shooter as a rookie, to despite the two point percentage jumping up quite a bit, he's uh, just about. Well, here I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, oh wait, no, I'm on his defensive stats. Um, he he's just about um, a less efficient player um, at this point in his career. Yeah, he is. So if points per shot attempt was 55th percentile as a rookie, 54th percentile a second year. 31st percentile uh, this year. If we, if we just go to uh, accuracy by spot, as a rookie, he was 33rd percentile finishing at the rim. Last year, 62nd percentile. This year, 60th percentile. He's much better in terms of his short mid-range shot, all the way up to 71st percentile there. Despite his reputation for nailing floaters as a rookie, he was only 45th percentile there as a rookie. But then you go, Alex, to three-point range. First year in the NBA, 46th percentile in corner threes. Second year in the NBA, 43rd percentile in corner threes. This year, fourth percentile in corner threes. He is only 27th percentile non-corner threes after being 68th percentile there um, as a rookie. All that adds up to him shooting 31% from three, uh, bottom 20% in the NBA, which is stunning for a guy who his, his whole career, right, was we were told 
is an elite shooter, was going to continue to be an elite shooter. And, and, and to me, if you're, if you're hoping for a star there, you're saying, all right, can he combine what he was as a shooter his rookie season with everything else he's become? Because that guy, I, I think, is worth something like $20 million a year. But And if I were the Knicks, I would give it the rest of the season to find out if he can be that guy. But if you're New York and, and, and you think the shooting as a rookie was kind of fluky, then you, you kind of have to reassess what his value is. Which would be a fair assessment because shooting – for a lot of people that year is kind of fluky. Yeah. Um, it's a good point. Which, you know, sort of painted our evaluation of a lot of guys in a certain way that we've had to sort of scale back, particularly on the Knicks, like that Randall, RJ quickly all shot. Like, Randall's kind of back this year. He might be the one exception to that rule. <laughs> yeah. Randall is sort of, sort of bringing his claw on his way back, but still is not shooting nearly that good from three. Uh, that he did that. He shot like 42% in 2021. Like just crazy, crazy. We're looking so, up right now. I'm, I'm curious because I, th- I do think his, what it is, is he's not taking as many long twos. So it almost, it almost cancels out this year. Yeah. 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 Um, so here, this is interesting. I'm not way off topic, but in terms of points <laughs> per shot attempt, he's actually quite a bit better this year than he was two years ago, despite the three point shooting not being as good. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'll take that all day. Uh, so don't trade Julius Randle. <laughs> um, have we have we ever have we ever suggested that? Why would we even need to? Be- <laughs> yeah, we've, I I don't recall ever saying that. Lifelong so, fan like, over here. Yeah, yeah. I think we should just let that go. Um, but yeah, it, it, you, that just kind of you just made a pretty compelling point for like why it might not be the worst idea in the world that if some team sees what they want, sees what we've wanted in quickly you know, whatever, and says, hey, I think we can do it and is willing to pay the price to get him, then maybe you should just go ahead and do it. Um, I think we could probably take our our final break, though, uh, and come back and talk about Cam Reddish, Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, kind of wrap up this pre-December 15th trade report that we got. But, Gavin, do you want to remind everybody where uh, there's often all those fun odds on next team, if not, wherever you know lakers or whatever in the terms of like russell westbrook or or uh, next team if not the nets for kyrie irving or kevin durant whatever all kinds of things you could bet on where should people go to bet on those things if they want to only one place alex it's betonline.net your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and world cup we've got it all at betonline.net if you love sports fi- podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. We know you love sports podcasts. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info out. What I've been hitting up lately is the NBA dailies. I gave everyone a winner last time telling them to take the Clippers over the Wizards. Um, but for tomorrow, I'm looking at that Cavs-Mavericks line. It's in Dallas. Dallas is a two-point favorite. I kind of expect Cleveland to go in there and get a big win. So I would throw some money down on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and your boy, Donovan Mitchell. All right, everyone just shut off the podcast, but head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right, Alex, we are back. Third and final segment. Um, I I got to talk about Cam Reddish a little bit last week. Uh, You did not. Uh, What is your take on him being on the table? The other two guys, obviously, we'll we'll talk Derek Rose. We'll talk Evan Fournier, but I, I think, Quickly, we're, we're pretty clear cut, like, all right, only if you get a really good deal. With Rose and Fournier, we're both kind of like, I, I presume, all right, yeah, get him out of here. No, no need to keep him any longer. 
Um, but Cam is is sort of the the interesting middle ground there. Yeah, I think um, I think what it comes down to with Cam for me is sort of the same thing as with Quickly. Like if you get a deal that works, then I guess go for it. I honestly, I started to almost get more bullish on Cam than Quickly, even uh, with how well he was playing this year. So it's it's been a little bizarre to me to see like. I mean, I guess if he's that heavily involved in trade proposals, then maybe, you know, like more so than what's even being said uh, in the media, then maybe like the Knicks, uh, you know, the front office will really like get this guy out. Let's put him in bubble wrap. Like his value's not going to get higher than it is right now with how well he was playing. Like, let's just, we'll start the shopping process now. Maybe try to get a deal in line that we can execute like right on December 15th. But it, if that's not the case, like, I don't know. It's been kind of bizarre to me seeing that he's not getting playing time because out of all the guys that the Knicks have, like as part of this young core, like he was playing such good defense. Like I, I struggle to say it's quite as good as like Grimes, but I mean, in his own right, there were a lot of nights where he was like the only guy that was trying for the Knicks on that end, you know, for some of those stretches there when they were playing really poorly and you know, his shot has been pretty inconsistent, but who's hasn't among like their young guys, like uh, all their defensive minded young guys getting minutes right now, all have Grimes included at the moment, all have been shooting very inconsistent so far this year. So it, it's tough to even use that as the excuse, but it strictly as it pertains to like a trade for him. I mean, yeah, I would do it if some team is willing to pay you know, like the Lakers, for example, have had rumored interest in him ever since the Hawks made him available last year. And apparently the Knicks kind of like sniped them and, you know, took took Cam before the Lakers could. And the Lakers have kind of had like this like desire to get him even from the Knicks, like from the second they pulled that deal off. Uh, so, you know, if they're like, hey, we'll give you one or maybe even like two first round picks because we're also asking you to take Russell Westbrook and like, you know, we'll take Evan Fournier off your hands too. is like a way less bad contract, but could actually like provide some shooting for us. And we'll get Cam Reddish, this guy that we've really wanted for the last like two, three years. Then, okay. Yeah. That's the deal I'd do all day. That said, I mean, unless you really think that you're going to get some sort of great deal for him i would kind of just like can play the season out and then like what's the most you end up paying him like 15 million like uh, and honestly i just think that his player archetype is way harder to find than like a quickly you know as much as i love quickly like i just think that like a combo guard or even it, let's just say that quickly is like straight up a point guard the knicks for one have that locked in already so that that's a lot less of a a position of need, but like Reddish also just is so versatile on the defensive end. And I think pretty versatile on the offensive end as well, where like you can reasonably have him out there as like the nominal two through four and be in pretty good shape. Uh, so it just kind of makes me like, you know, if you're going to pick one of these guys to invest in, I would maybe pick cam if I'm being completely honest, which is wild. I would never have guessed that I would have said that like, a month and a half ago. Um, but here we are. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, 
as far as the trade, I just feel like it's basically the same as with quickly. Like I just, I'm not dying to give him away for nothing or something, or just send him off for like a couple second round picks. Like that seems like it would be bad asset management to me. Uh, but if the right deal comes along, yeah, obviously you got to look at it and, you know, especially if you get a first round pick or something, I feel like you got to take that because I think the Knicks would be foolish not to for a guy that does ultimately have to get paid this coming summer. Yeah, I think it's he's such an interesting case, right? Because it, it's similar to quickly where you're I mean, I mean, this offseason, I think we did a podcast where we said, like, look, there's an argument to be made. He, he is the highest ceiling of anyone on the team. And I, I'm like weirdly in in him finding his consistency and finding his success this year that almost talked me out of that ceiling a little bit because when you when you watched him or when when you watched him when when you watch him try and self create it, it it's really ugly still for the most part not not, not off, off a closeout he he's incredible when when he when he has that advantage and when a defender's already off balance he is at least on the Knicks is as good as anyone not named Quentin Grimes or or Jalen Brunson in that capacity maybe maybe Julius Randle as well but one-on-one he's he's not that dude um defensively he provided such a significant jolt in terms of his event creation um i don't think he's as a consistent of a positional defender play to play as as quickly grimes or deuce and and isn't really close to the to the last two on this list and there's still times where he just he just falls asleep and look i i think tibbs has a real Higher for him at points because he, even though there were a lot less than than there were in past years, like he still has those brain fart moments, and and people can rightly say, all right, but RJ and Julius have have a million times more, so why do they get to get away with it? And it's it's because those guys provide something, and again, in terms of that isolation ability, that Cam simply does not. The three point shooting is was was kind of the has kind of been the biggest disappointment with him for me this year because just based on his free throw shooting, where he's eighty eight percent, I expected that to go up. He's only at 30% on the season. Look, he's only taken 56 of them, so you could you can still make a case that it's it's small sample size, but for his career, he's he's a 32% three-point shooter. I think if he was more like 37%, I would be closer to the same camp where I'd say, like, all right, you can't move this guy. I, I'm still with you in that I like him and I think there should be a role for him on this team. But I, I just I'm not gonna be I, I've kind of I I think maybe it's it's heavily influenced by how well they've played since he's gone. Um, out of the rotation, but I'm not going to be heartbroken at this point if they move off him. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, again, I, I think it just I look at it as like some of those games that they won, I felt like earlier in the season was largely because he was one of the only guys out there giving a crap, but yeah, it is, I mean they're winning right now, Deuce is playing effectively the minutes that he was, you know, and is playing really well in them, so it's tough to like be mad about it or like too mad it just it, it like the other day when they were without Obi and then without randall it it struck me as a little strange <laughs> that they didn't unglue him from the bench there yeah and maybe that just speaks to just how imminent this whole thing is uh as far as him getting traded but uh that of course brings us to the other two guys which would be rose and fournier i, I don't even know how much there is to say about them other than like i don't know i still to this day don't think that they should have to pay to get off of either of those guys. How do you, how do you feel about that? Like, it seems like most of these reports are seem to be suggesting like the Knicks might have to pay to get off of Fournier, but I just don't see it. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like this year and next year that he's guaranteed money and 
the guy literally set a franchise record for three point shooting last year. And like, if you got him on a team that like actually uses him well as like a bench player and just like a gunner, I think he could be super valuable, especially to some team that like doesn't have cap issues. So I don't know. And it's kind of the same with Derek Rose. He's a known quantity in the NBA, super respected. Like, I just don't really think I would feel comfortable paying to get off of them. Anything short of like, a couple tokens, second round picks, sort of like what they did for Kemba or something like that. Yeah, I think it, I, I'm, I weirdly agree with you and disagree with you. I, I guess the disagreement is is only in that I I'm I'm not even against your logic, just in that the, the market is reality and and they've been shopping Fournier since last winter and, and last summer. Uh, that was in that was in the Cats article and and couldn't find a place for him when he when he was. I think over the second half of last year, what, like a 42% three-point shooter on insane volume and and clearly is just flat out a special shooter. Um, and, and then this year with the disastrous start, like I just can't imagine his market value has gone up. Granted, maybe maybe this offseason the Knicks were saying the asking price was like an end of first round pick and teams weren't biting on that. And, and now the, what they're asking for is just is kind of just neutral value. Um, and then as far as Derek Rose, Cats uh, also noted, uh, let me find... The exact quote, uh, he says, there is not much demand for Rose, the former MVP who fell out of the Knicks rotation during Sunday's win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Rose, who's on expiring contract, still has fireball moments, but they've been sparser than ever this season. The league has taken notice. His playing time is down as is production. And at 34 years old, teams are generally worried about his burst and injury history. Um, he still has really good moments. I agree with that. He is not the same guy he was two years ago, but... I'm surprised that a team like Dallas honestly wouldn't wouldn't kind of just want to take a flyer on him versus a Kemba Walker because I, I would say Rose for a second round pick in, in two years or whatever it takes is a much safer bet. But I, I also with Rose, I really have no urgency to move off him just because his contract is pretty reasonable and he is such a positive locker room presence for this team. And honestly with Fournier too, I mean he's not he's not publicly complaining like they're there isn't really any issue with with keeping him, but I think at some point there will be a team who misses out on their primary target, which is maybe an Eric Gordon for a team like the Phoenix Suns. And, and then, look, with Fournier's contract, he's, he's not an option for every team, especially if you're looking to trade it for neutral value. But I think there is a deal out there that will emerge for him. And, and, and the Lakers are, are the team that have, have been noted uh, most often, and specifically by Shams, for both Fournier and uh, Cam Reddish. Yeah, and I just think too, even if the Knicks were shopping Fournier last year, like he was playing really well last year, so they did probably mm-hmm. set the bar a little higher, you know, back then, and that might have been why they didn't trade him. Also, like the optics, I mean, Leon Rose and company seem pretty well aware of just general optics and like the optics of trading a guy that you just signed, like who's playing well, is not great. Uh, you know, so as far as trading him last year, but yeah, like I do agree. He didn't, he didn't do himself or the Knicks any favors as far as getting him a new destination this year. Cause he just frankly played awful. I mean, he was an active detriment when he was on the floor, uh, which you can't say about too many guys, but like his defense was legitimately like that bad combined with the fact that he was no longer shooting around 40% from three anymore, which completely negates anything that he could bring to the floor. So, yeah, I guess we'll see how that all goes. If it comes down to it and the Knicks can swing some sort of deal where they do like 
Cam and Fournier, and maybe even also Rose to the Lakers for like Russell Westbrook and even like one of their future first round picks like protected or something. Yeah. I think I'd be comfortable doing that just because if you're the Knicks, then you're just kind of wiping the slate clean. You're getting something back. You know, maybe if it's even like a fistful of second round pick, so that would be a little less palatable because they're like eating that Westbrook deal, which the Lakers tried to put on everybody and nobody bid on for like better part of this whole offseason and part of last year. Um, but yeah, I I hope that I mean I don't necessarily think that uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, but you know, it's be coming out on Wednesday, December fifteenth is Thursday. I don't necessarily think Thursday morning all these deals are just going to come flooding out or anything. Uh, but I do hope that the Knicks are at least looking at reducing this roster a little bit uh, as we get towards the new year. Cause I, th- I think some moves are necessary at this point and whether it's reddish or whether it's quickly, whether it's just, you know, jetting Fournier and Rose and, and maybe, you know, attaching some second round picks to them or something. I think that's that's about as comfortable as I, was, as I would get as far as like attaching value to them to get rid of them, then so be it. But it, I think it's pretty clear that maybe even more so than past years, the Knicks do seem to have some movement on the horizon here. So I guess we'll just have to stay tuned and see what that ends up being. Yeah, and I can't. You 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 might have noted it, and I might have missed it, but we, we we should say for everyone, December fifteenth is the day that a whole bunch of new contracts are eligible to be traded, and and there are some. Um, I, I uh, Nick's Film School mentioned this today, like Mitchell Robinson, that are an exception to that, that can't be traded for another month. But it, it, it's sort of the unofficial start to trade season in the NBA. So deals could be coming uh, a little sooner than we think, and we will have the latest for you here on Locked On Knicks. But for now, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you soon, specifically tomorrow morning with a recap of Knicks Bulls. But until then, be good and uh, go Knicks.